You're listening to Intellectual Erection, a place where we talk about the naughty. Oh, to stimulate your thinking. You're listening. You're listening to Intellectual Erection. Intellectual, intellectual, intellectual Erection. Welcome back to Intellectual Erection. I'm your host, Patrick, and today I'm speaking with Foot Guy James. And so she put her feet up and she crossed her feet and she started like scrunching and flexing her toes. And I'm like, I'm like in, in my head, I'm like, this thing, I'm losing my mind here. We talk about his introduction into foot fetishism and how that turned from a hobby into sex work and what that's like. We get a little bit into the ethics of sex work itself and how to engage in collaboration with other sex workers ethically. This is only the second episode of the third season of Intellectual Erection, and there are a lot more coming your way. So as always, listen, subscribe, review, and most of all, enjoy. I'm sitting here today with... James. <laughs> James foot the guy, foot, James. Yeah, James the foot guy, <laughs> foot guy James. Yeah, we've been meaning to do this interview since before COVID started, so now we're finally able to engage. And we're going to be talking about, well, what is it that you do? Well, I guess it's the core of it is, is foot fetish and foot fetishism. And, um, I, I don't consider myself a photographer by any means. Um, it's always been the focus uh, to do the videos. And then I'll, you know, once I'll usually do some photography with people that I work with as well. But yeah, the, the videos have always been the focus. And obviously the, there's always um a, f- a foot job involved in the, in the videos um I, actually i did uh recently do just a worship video which was kind of cool i'd never actually done one uh, specifically for for my uh for my uh fgj uh, stuff so so it's kind of actually t- uh, cool to actually do that and it was and it was with somebody that was uh in terms of like the the sort of virtual world of um of the social networking it was somebody that i i you know met before and she's really cool Sloan. So it was uh, cool to do that with her. But yeah, it's uh, outside of that. I usually do the, the, uh, uh, foot job videos. All right. So, and that's what I do. You've made a lot of content. So you create a lot of, uh, content online. Your Twitter is replete with foot jobs and foot fetish videos. And you've worked with a lot of the humans that I've interviewed on this podcast and a few that I've yet to interview, but are on the roster. Cool. So we can shout out, I believe you worked with Lola Jean. You worked with, I just saw your video with uh, Violet Toes. So, a few times. Yeah. 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 So Violet, uh, I'm supposed to interview somewhere at the end of this month. I just finished interviewing goddess uh, Vanessa Vane. And, wow. Cool. Yeah. There's a, there's a few others. I, I can't, I can't remember right now. Oh, Lulu as well. I've, yep. uh, I've had on the podcast. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. So I definitely have to catch up <laughs> all the podcasts you've done because yeah. I didn't even know that they did. Uh, they, they spoke with you. So that's really cool. And, and just amazing, amazing women. I, Absolutely. I was very, very fortunate, you know, to have uh, met them all and worked with them all. It's, uh, well, what was really amazing. encouraging was that they all spoke very highly of you. Wow. 
thing. So, Thank yeah. you, ladies. <laughs> yeah, they said that they, they really enjoyed working with you, that you're a super nice guy, and that you're very you know, professional, respectful, all the things that make you know, them comfortable and yeah. would recommend you to other people. Well, I, I think, you know, on that note, it's, it's also everybody, um, obviously they're amazing to work with and they're the same. They're very, um, just very friendly, very human, very, um, um, supportive too, in a lot of ways. Um, but the, the, but the big thing I think always is trying to, you know, always trying to be fair as well. Um, they are, this is work and, uh, and I'm always respectful of that, you know, so I, um, I, I don't like to go into that sort of rab down that rabbit hole of, okay, well, it's a shoot. What are you charging? Like all of that sort of, um, financial types that I don't, you know, whatever your requirements are for your, for the shoot, whatever you're comfortable doing, whatever you're not comfortable doing, um, fine with me. I am not going to, you know, I don't have a set of requirements. Um, right. and I don't. And so it's always, I always try to be as fair as possible and, and, and it's, and it's, and since, you know, people, they feel that way, that's great to hear. Really great to hear. Absolutely. I mean, these are, I, I've talked to, uh, to these women and one of the things I've asked them is throughout your sex work, what has been the, the sort of do's and don'ts from clients or people that you work with. And basically it seems that you've checked mm -hmm. off all the, like the, the do's, all the good stuff, like how to approach, mm -hmm. how to engage, how to uh, produce content and things like that. I mean, I think part of this interview we could take some time and talk about how men getting into this industry should approach it on an ethical basis and on a consensual basis so that right. when you engage with sex workers and you ask to produce content together, you have you know, something to offer, uh, there's compensation or other ways to, to produce content together that's, that's mm -hmm. fair, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe you have some tips for that because yep. I'm sure there's a lot of like cis white dudes that want to be out there making porn because they think that it's the greatest thing on earth, but at the end of the day, it is work. Yeah. Let's definitely talk about that. Um, because I get a lot of people, um, reaching out, asking about that type of stuff. Um, so yeah, let's, we can definitely talk about that. Okay. So first things first on this podcast is the <laughs> origin story. What I ask is a two-parter. You can choose, avoid the first part, not answer it. I'm always curious the, the first time your, your first root sexual memory, perhaps when you were very young, what was the first thing that you remember that made you aware that sex and sexuality exists in this world? Yeah, that, that's like going back into the ether, right? Like yeah. trying to figure out like, when was the very, very first time you felt that feeling, um, that sexual feeling? And I, I think for, for me, I, I, I've, always, I've always felt that I've been sexual and, and it always feels like it's been that way. It's always been there. And I never... Like to actually analyze the or you know the sort of origins of it, it's a little bit more difficult. I can kind of pair it, you know, since we're talking about the foot fetish stuff, I can kind of pair it to, um, like when did I maybe first think about feet that way, or or and at, at an early age, it's you don't necessarily sexualize it, but you might. There's some sort of I mean, you're you're a psychology guy, right? And I'm I'm not, but I I just remember from like school we're talking about like transference and. And, you know, raising, you know, making an object more important than it, than it actually is. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And sexualizing it kind of comes with that. But I, I can remember maybe at an early age being sort of focusing on feet a little bit more than obviously anybody, you know, other, other people other, or other children. And, I, and it kind of stuck with me and always, it's always kind of been there. 
the, the sexually, I don't a late bloomer. Let's just say that. Right. And it was, I think maybe into my early, like maybe around 10 or 11 where I started to have those sort of sexual, you know, the sexual feelings. And it was, I think it was a little bit later for me that way, but those things kind of converged at that point where, okay, well, I kind of, I had an appreciation for, 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 for women's feet or girls feet and the actual um, origin of, of the, the fetish with sort of being coming more of a sexual, sexual being um, maybe into my early, like uh, maybe a 10 or 11. um, That's when they kind of converged and I, and it's always been there with me. Right. So obviously I didn't uh, know we can kind of get, go on from there. Like when was my first experience that were those things kind of, kind of were, were together. Um, but that, that's really my early memory. I can remember being a, a child and I remember sort of like, hmm, these things down here are kind of interesting. These, these sort of, you know, I'm really, kind of I've always been curious and people have asked me, they're like, what is the origin of the foot fetish and how is it that one kind of finds maybe sexual, not necessarily gratification, but interest in, mm-hmm. you know, body parts that aren't sexual organs. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you have that answer because maybe for you, it just came sort of like instinctually. Have you ever thought about it? What it was that, that drew you to feet particularly? <sighs> you know, what? I, I think inevitably you're going to get a little heady when you start to talk about this stuff. I've always kind of had a little bit of a, a darkness to me. Like I kind of, I've always had that in my life. And I think people like that, we need to, we need to build something else up. And, and if you don't, not everybody's going to agree with me, obviously, but if you don't have sort of some of the conventional things that you would have in your life, like religion or something else, we sometimes, we sometimes um, objectify things and, and add so much, so much value to them that they become, okay, this is actually saving me. This is actually something that I can, that I can think about. And it makes me, a, it makes me a happier person, which just sounds completely bizarre and it does, it's illogical, but it is what it is. Um, and I think we need those illusions in our life. Sometimes if we don't have something to fall back on, if we don't have the structure of, 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 of religion and religion is, you know, beautiful thing. But if you don't have certain things, you, you build something else up in your life. So I think that's kind of what happened with feet. And, and then it becomes, well, how does that get, 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 uh, get sexualized? I, I don't really know. Like, I don't have like that, that kind of answer. I'm sure if like, you know, we started to look at some of the, the literature on it and the, the studies, we'd, we'd, we'd find a lot more on it. Right. Um, but you know, for me, I, from my level, like the non sort of non-psych guy, um, like we, I projected some sort of a meaning on, 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 on an object. And in this case, it's a physical you know, body part. Um, that said in the, in the sexual realm, it's not the be all and end all. Um, I like a sort of a full rounded sort of sexual experience and it's not mandatory or a requirement for feet to be involved in the sexual act. So mm-hmm. that's never been a part of it. It's never been, uh, that, um, that important. I can, I can, you know, and, and I'm, I, I have a partner and we don't, we don't do it that often. We don't have feet in our sexual lives very often. You know, it's maybe once in a while, but we can talk about that a little later too, because there's some yeah. history there on that. So, so you said that there was something in your early childhood you described it as a darkness that then you projected onto 
Well, yeah, I think, I think maybe I, I didn't like people very much. And maybe this is kind of digging maybe a little deeper into the psychology of it. You know, if you just, if you, you know, you're as a child, you become super aware and everything hits you all at once. And we don't, we don't give children the, the, uh, the credit for what they are capable of seeing and experiencing. You're, you're basically like almost like fully formed and, and it's, it, the hardware is brilliant, you know, and now you're imprinting all that software onto it. And when that, when that happens, um, and you kind of see things a little too clearly for a child, you like start to, it's, it's a horror, it's a terror in a way. And you, you kind of, what's going on? Like, I don't, I, you know, people are frightening to me. I don't like, you know, I don't like, what can I find about people that I like? And maybe there's something there. Maybe as a, as a child, you're like, Oh, I, I, I won't know because like you've to possibly be an infant, but maybe you feed as the first thing you see as a child. And mm-hmm. oh my, like this is something that you know saves me, you know. Um, but and 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 that's, and I didn't have uh, a bad childhood. I had a wonderful childhood, and and, and everything else that's followed it has been wonderful. But you know, sometimes we're just the way we're wired. Just we're just a little different wiring, and that's <laughs> maybe what it is, you know, too. So I, I just pictured when you said that you you said when you were young you didn't so much like people, and then I pictured literally you as a kid and your gaze falling from the eyes of another person down to their feet. <laughs> that's <you> right. <laughs> yeah. That's that, right. that was the visual that I got there. <laughs> so maybe, yeah, I and, maybe, and maybe that's it. Maybe that's the rosebud. I don't know. Yeah, so. <laughs> but anyhow, it's, it's uh, fascinating and you're clearly not alone in this because there are many, many people interested in feet. Uh, foot fetish is, is obviously uh, a huge niche in the fetish yeah. community and it's quite common. So I'm sure there's some theories out there about why feet particularly that, I mean, I've not looked into it, but you said that for you, it's not necessarily a necessity in your sex life, but it is something that you really enjoy. So I think that kind of demarcates the, the, the difference sometimes between what some people define as a fetish versus a kink. Traditionally, what I've heard is that fetishes are defined as something that you require for sexual gratification and kink is something you really enjoy for Mm. sexual gratification. So in that, you said that you have a roster of of other things. Are there any other kinds of fetishes or kinks that you're into? Not really. And and I've tried a few things and they just, you know, I like, I enjoyed them, but it's not something that like I need to have. Um, I've even done even in the, the videos, like I've done quite a few of them where there's a bit of a Dom stuff, some Dom stuff happening. And, uh, and it's actually interesting. And sometimes it's cool to capture that on, on video sometimes too, because um, a couple of the, the Doms that I've shot with, um, Dam- specifically Damazonia and, uh, and Jasmine and, um, and Bastien, Bastien's in, in Toronto, Damazonia's in Vancouver, uh, I believe or Jasmine was in Vancouver. I don't know where uh, Dan is now, but anyway, um, they, uh, you know, there are some, some, uh, by their standards, probably pretty mild, but by my standards, you know, the beating I took was, was significant. Right? <laughs> so, and, and, and I wanted to, you know, like I was like, yeah, let's, let's try this stuff out and getting it on film is kind of cool too. Um, so I've, ex- you know, experienced that stuff and it's, it's cool, but it, I don't need it in my life often. Um, I've done some, uh, I tried some rope stuff really early on, but just really basic level. Like I never got into the, 
to the the finer sort of um, rope sort of world and and obviously and it's an art form too like i i would never do anything like and also you have to know what you're doing yeah. um especially with like suspensions and stuff so um i i did but I, aesthetically i do like that i do like like seeing somebody tied up um but me as the as the person doing that and in control i'm not interested in that i'm not a dom uh, i'm not a sub and you know not any of those things so all right so your niche is foot fetish how did you transition from this being a fetish for you? Or actually, no, let's go back. Because mm -hmm. you did say you might want to discuss the first experience that you had where you were able to engage in your foot fetishism. Do you remember that? Yeah, actually, it wasn't even with my first uh, girlfriends. It wasn't even with them. It was with, uh, with my partner, my wife. And, uh, and it was kind of like I didn't even, like out of the gate, like start to do that stuff with her. It was kind of like, and, and I, maybe this is, maybe this is, you know, information for, for people out there. Cause I think a few guys have reached out to me over time. Like, how do I even talk to my partner or my girlfriend or my wife about this stuff? I'm kind of embarrassed and, and all that. So, um, because you're, you're, you're worried about them, you know, what their reaction is going to be. And I guess it's a good indicator litmus test of like how supportive they are too. Right. How much right. they, they love you as well. Um, so, you know, that was for me, I was like, I was very, and this is kind of the pointer thing. It's a very slow sort of introduction to it. You start to talk about it um, and then see how comfortable they are with, with that. And then, and then you can start to explore a little bit. I wouldn't say, you know, right off the bat, like, okay, you're having sex and then, um, and then just start fucking your feet. I don't, you know, that's not right. So you, you, that's obviously maybe something that you want to do, but you have to, you have to work towards that, right? So you talk about that with them. And that's exactly what happened with, with, with her. We, we, we talked about it and then, and then it started, you know, maybe doing some foot massage stuff and, and that kind of thing. And, and then it kind of progressed from there. So, um, so that was my first true experience with it, with, with foot fetishism, like actually like um, in a more sort of tangible touching way. But obviously before that, you know, you know, I would be with, with girlfriends or somebody I was seeing and, and like, I would, you know, kind of touch their feet and stuff like that, but nothing, nothing more than that. So, so that was really my first sort of formal, you know, foray into it. So, and we've been together for, uh, for a long, long time. So. so then at what point did you transition from that moment into where you are sort of today? What was that transition like from acknowledging you have a foot fetish to producing content yeah, yeah fetishism yeah and what was the road there uh, yeah. what was the path so um so me and, and my partner we were doing stuff in, you know obviously privately and then i i sort of initiated that discussion around well you know would it would it be would you be cool with like starting to share this because I, it, you know what, it go, kind of goes, calls back to the voyeurism thing um, or kinks. I, I think I'm into that. You know, if, if there was anything that I could also call out as like a sort of a kink, it would be sort of an exhibitionism, not voyeurism, but, a, but exhibitionism, right? So, um, so it, kind of, it kind of pulled in that sort of feel too. And then, um, and, she was, and she was okay with it. Um, and then from there, so we started to share some stuff um, with a very, very, uh, very, uh, small audience website, 
And then this goes back to, I don't know, 2012 maybe or something like that. Um, so we started putting stuff up on there and then gradually you kind of like get sort of more and more confident doing it and enjoying it. And then we started to share it more and more. And then we started, we had something on Twitter um, and you know, the community that's been around for a while, they'll know who she is. It's Sammy. So uh, she, and we, we did uh, stuff for a number of years. We used to make videos and stuff like that. Um, and she had, you know, great, great fans. I was, you know, sort of, I felt like I was in the background. Like I was just the, the, uh, you know, the, the cock in the videos. <laughs> it was Sammy was the, was the star. <laughs> the stunt cock. Yeah. The stunt cock. Yeah. So that, and that was like, that's exactly how I wanted it too. Like I didn't want to be anything more than that. So, um, and we kind of shared the keys to the social networking and stuff like that. So on the, on the clip site, um, and then, and that, and that was for a few years and then it's just kind of slowly like she was getting bored of it and like, you know, like we don't, we don't need to do this all the time. And that kind of aligned with, well, you know, us being in our, you know, forties or at the time it was, yeah, because we were all in our, both in our forties. Um, we started to, to kind of think about like, you know, our relationship, our marriage and like, is there something else that we want to try? Right. And that was, well, you know, she, um, there was somebody that was a friend who was a very good friend of both of ours. Um, there was always a, a, an attract, there was always some sort of energy between them. And it was kind of like, well, you know, I was fine with her, her being with him. And it kind of like, that was the opening sort of to, um, her having her own thing with, with him. And there was, uh, and that was first, and then there was somebody else and she still sees him from time to time. And then for me, I just, you know, my sort of green light was to, to keep shooting stuff. And that's where I ended up today. And that's when I started working with people to, to do, to do content. So would you describe your marriage as polyamorous or open? Uh, yeah, I, I would call it, I would call it open. Um, but I, I, I think with, yeah, it's kind of a, I guess a gray area with that. I guess you would call it open considering like I, I, you know, working with so many people. So, yeah. All right. So it sounds like you've had quite the journey and I wanted to ask you, this is something that was prompted by a, a discussion that we had online is how you manage your porn production and your career and your family at this point. Yeah, that's uh, you heard me sigh when, when <laughs> for <laughs> answered. Um, I, I I have no idea how I've been able to do it. Like I just don't. Um, I, I can say that in sort of a hierarchy that uh, that personal life and and work life are are primary and secondary. Obviously, personal life is always primary. Um, and this is, I guess, the word ter tertiary, or like it comes last and. It has to be that way. It will always have to be that way. And um, with that said, I have been very active and especially before COVID. Um, and that was a good, it, you know, nothing good about COVID. Um, it was, it came at the right time for me to slow down a little bit, to sort of like reevaluate how much you know stuff that I'm doing because people really don't have an idea of how much work it is and energy to, to do this work, to do this stuff. Right. And, and on all on all aspects of it from coordinating spaces to arranging shoots to transportation, all of those things we've all heard 
you know, a million times, but it just really like, they have no idea until they're, they're, they're doing that stuff, you know? So, um, so it's a huge part of, it's a huge part of my life, but it, I, rather than it start to consume other parts of it, I had to sort of slow it down. Uh, and that's, and so back to your question, how I manage it, um, you're kind of like, you have to treat it like a, like a partitioning a hard drive and you got like sections and you keep things, you have to keep things a little bit more on lockdown and separate. Otherwise it'll just bleed into everything else and it'll start to now other, other things in your life will, will start to fall by the wayside and you don't want that, you know? So my family life is very important to me. My career is, uh, um, at time, like, as you know, today I've been struggling on conference calls all morning, but I, I, it's, it's very important to me as well. And, and, and all those things. So I don't want to, I don't want it to affect that. And, and now slowing down a bit is me ensuring that it's not going to be impacted. So it sounds like COVID gave you a little bit of a break, as you were saying to, to reassess. Yeah. But this also began for you. What it sounds like is it began as a sort of hobby, but, then it's transitioned into work. So as we've said here and many times before, right? Sex work is real work. It's work. It takes a considerable amount of effort. So this is uh, basically a second job for you, is it not? Yeah, it is. It is a second job. And I I don't feel like it's work, you know, and that's that's the important thing. Because you can still enjoy it. (laughs) That's right. As soon as I think that's going to be the... um, you know, the seesaw, if it's start tips in the other way, other direction to listeners, I was making the motion of a seesaw. Um, once it sort of goes in the other direction, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm out, you know, so I won't be, be doing this anymore once it just feels like work or, and, and that's an interesting, that's interesting too, because, um, I guess it's like any other, anything else we experience in life, the more you experience something, I, I kind of like, it's this is a terrible analogy but is it analogous to like i remember marginal utility in like economics and they were talking about there was something about hamburgers and you have your first hamburger and it's amazing it's fantastic and then you have a second one and then you have a third one and fourth one and each time you have one and not necessarily back to back but maybe they you get less enjoyment out of it if that ever feel if it ever feels like that to me then i'm out you know what i mean so um the mar- marginal utility is still high on uh, on on feet and, and so making videos. So it sounds like you have to love this kind of work to be into it because of the you amount do. of work that's involved. So why don't we take this opportunity to dispel some of the myths and we'll see, you know, how transparent you're willing to be about this stuff. But I want to address kind of all the, especially the dudes out there that want to get into content creation, especially when it comes to porn and sex work, just to dispel some of the myths. Cause I'm sure you've gotten a lot of people reaching out to you and asking you, you know, how to do it or whatever. And a lot of people might come in with uh, preconceived notions, maybe fantasies about them, um, you know, getting sexual gratification, making money, all this sort of thing. And, you know, from the internal workings of it, uh, it's a lot of work that is not readily apparent. So, why don't we dive into that? What advice would you have for, especially I think cis white men that want mm-hmm. to get into this line of work? Mm-hmm. The f- first thing would even, wouldn't even be going down that road of, okay, like, like with the coordinating and all the legwork that's involved, we can talk about that. But I think first and foremost, um, I get the, okay, well, I want to do what you do. 
Um, and I, my brain all right away goes to, well, okay, you'll get better at things as you do them, but it's different when you're doing this type of stuff, it's different from just basically lying there and enjoying it. Um, you're, we're, you're mindful of camera angles. You're mindful of all, all types of, uh, very, a lot of variables that can affect how the quality of what you're doing. So, but you're, even then you're still like, well, what does that angle look like? And how does, how's this going to come out? And what's the lighting like? And what does this position look like? And blah, blah, blah. But when, especially when you're doing it on your own and using you know, sort of a camera on your hands, um, and multitasking, it's quite easy to, um, unless you're sort of like stationary and just keeping it locked in one place. Um, it's challenging to keep focused. So that's the, right off the bat, you know, that's, you know, you kind of have to learn to get better at that. So um, what I'm hearing here is that there might be a, an issue of performance anxiety or not being able to, to perform necessarily on camera, but yeah, be focused that's right. on getting the shot. And anyone right. who's tried to make sort of like homemade porn will know that feeling because yeah. you want to look good. You want, you know, the, the people that you're playing with to look good. You want the angles, the lighting, everything to, to sure. come out in, in, in a product that you're happy with. And in the process of doing that, it creates a sort of anxiety about what you're doing and then your performance will be affected. That's right. That's right. And you're on a, and you're on a schedule and you have to have it done at this certain time. And that's, there's no sort of before and after it's not when you feel horny, it's when you, okay, you, it's Tuesday at two that's, and that's it. So those are the types of things, other things, considerations, you know, like, um, if you want longer sort of videos, longer content, things like that, you have to sort of be able to control yourself. Right. So that's another big thing in terms of the performance. Now, so that performance stuff aside, um, we start to talk about like the actual business aspect of it and the scheduling of it and things like that. So um, you have to obviously be, be uh, willing to put in the work to do that. Nobody's going to basically uh, women aren't just going to come up to you and say, Hey, like um, I just want to shoot with you and you don't have to worry about paying me and you don't have to worry about a location and you don't have to worry about any of those things. It's, it doesn't just happen that way. There's a lot of like work, a lot of networking that has to happen. And again, it's, you have to be very, very fair as well. And uh, like we talked about earlier. Um, so I, I think that's one of the sort of big things. Like if I had to reduce it to one thing, somebody's asking me for, um, for tips or what are they, you know, uh, what do I think would be good sort of for them if they wanted to get into this stuff, it would be to, to be as fair as possible and don't come in with your own sort of expectations necessarily or requirements. So, cause everybody's different that you work with. So. So then what is your model and approach when you go to, to seek somebody to do, to produce content with? Yeah. I, I um, unless they ask me like what, like specifically my sort of structure is my business model, whatever they want to call that. Um, I'm just going to follow what their requirements are. So if they have a shoot, if they have a shoot fee, then it, that's what it is. I'm not going to, I'm not going to challenge that or, or, or do any sort of like, okay, well, I think it should be this. So that, that I'll right off the way, it's not an issue for me. Um, as well, like if there are certain things like, well, I need to remain anonymous in the video, then I will shoot the video so that you remain anonymous. Um, you also get into sort of sharing content. I've always, um, I, I, this is where maybe <clears throat> it's on me to, um, I haven't networked too much with other people that produce content. I just kind of go like with my gut and my gut tells me um, we shoot something, even though I paid you for the shoot um, you're welcome to use the content. 
like use it on your your only fans or your many vids or whatever <laughs> fine you have fans that would have you know the traffic would have gone to me because it's the only place for it but i don't care like you know put the stuff up and we'll share it right so co-own the content i'm always fine with all that stuff right so um and, and those are the types of tips that i would tell people as well too right so um but i have my moments you know like with with people reaching out that way because i i i might have tweeted something a few weeks ago where i was kind of like i had so many people reaching out maybe over a course of the two days it's like what's happening um <laughs> everybody just wants to get into it. and i just kind of like you know kind of frustrated me and i when i said you know like don't reach out for but that you know that's just the human thing i i'm i'm, I'm fine if you just want to you know like briefly chat about it but you know, i i also it's not you know all these things like it's not like you know you're not working at nasa you know it's like if you really are want to do it then just just go ahead and do it and, you know human energy is quite an interesting thing when you actually have you know focus on something so um, you can basically do it what you're talking about is people reaching out to you to ask advice about right. uh content creation right not right people reaching out to produce content with you that's right. Yeah. It's more, I was referring more to people who want yeah. to get into it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. People reach out um, a lot um, to actually shoot too, which is great. And then um, that that's been, you know, kind of a nice thing to happen once in a while too. So, and I've also worked with people that, that were, they were just friends and, and, you know, they, we just, we just create something, you know, and that's cool too. Well, from now um, on, what you can do is you can link them to this episode of the podcast and be like, listen to this. If it doesn't answer your question, <laughs> then get yeah, back. That's a good idea. Right? Because yeah. ha- you, you now have it pre-recorded. You have your answers. That's a great idea. Yeah. So then it seems like all of this stuff has kind of worked out for you in a sense. And I just want to know, maybe aside from what we've talked about already, what has what do you think has contributed to your reputation among these fellow sex workers as being somebody that's good to work with and mm-hmm. uh, that they recommend so often? So far, I've heard that you know you, you're fair and you don't negotiate with their standards and their boundaries, and you work around their needs and the co-creation of content. Outside of that, I think it would just be the interpersonal sort of um relationship um it's respecting boundaries um and it's just being you know being you know a person you know like uh, it's i I, sometimes the uh the uh i think it might come across maybe from for some sex workers where they're used to maybe seeing clients and maybe i don't know like some of you have very very good count of clients and then some bad ones um, but if there's, you know, the anxiety maybe associated with somebody coming in and things like that, like I, I don't, like I try to, to kind of have a, a very, um, very laid back sort of approach, you know, and, and I want people that I work with to feel really, really comfortable. Um, so maybe that's part of it, you know, too. Um, is there a way that you do this when you set up a shoot with somebody, what is the communication like ahead of time? Do you communicate a lot online? Do you have an initial meetup with them or do you do the bulk yeah. of it online and then maybe a phone yeah. call or text? Or yeah. something? And again, it's, again, it's, this goes right back to like people asking like, what are, what are your tips or what are you, what are your recommendations for me getting into this? Again, it goes back to somebody you're going to work with. What are the requirements? I've had a couple of people that they wanted to meet first. Fine. 
and, and we'll meet up first and, and, that, and that's great. Um, what, what, is your, what is your sort of channel of communication? Is it, is it in the, the direct message? Is it in a phone call? Is it an email? Fine, just, it's basically always following with what their requirements are for doing something. Mm -hmm. And if that means that you have to go through several hurdles, then, uh, then that, it, it is what it is. And then you just, you do it and respect it. That sounds great. Although a lot of the sex workers that I spoke to describe you almost as a friend. So I think there's something about the way that you interact with these people on a human level that breaks the boundaries of just the, the professional relationship because they do regard you as a friend. I've spoken to, I think it was Violet that said, you know, that she enjoys having coffees with you and God has described you as one of her closest friends or something like that. So yeah. And I can, and for, for violin and for, for goddess, um, for Vanessa, um, it's also, by the way, sidebar, it's, uh, pseudonyms and names change so often with some, with certain people. It's hard to know like what you're, <laughs> who's who, yeah. but we know who we're talking about. So, yeah. um, and those are the, those are also the experiences that I enjoy doing this for. And with both of those women, um, I consider them friends. I consider everybody I work with friend, but specifically with, with, with Violin, with Vanessa, I think they're amazing women. They're, they're, uh, um, they make me feel so comfortable as well, you know, and, and, um, kind of like a light up, you know, especially with, with Vanessa, we worked, um, quite a bit. We did some full, full sex scenes as well. I just watched the um, that <laughs> before. Yeah, that. yeah. So, you know, on that, you know, obviously on the physical level, we're, we're very, very close that way. Um, and I don't, and I don't do that off very often at all. Right. So it's, it's special to me. Um, and, and they're, uh, and also like, I feel like I'm in my, my mid forties too. And, and people like that, there's a young energy there and I, like I can kind of feed off of them too, um, as well. And they're just, they're just lovely you know, just, just lovely, lovely friends. Okay. So then I'll ask you two more things with regards to this. What is the biggest challenge and the biggest reward of content creation for you? I, I think the biggest challenge goes, goes back to the, the, how do you manage it as you in your life? If you have other things going on, but like, like the, the career thing. So that's the big, that's the big challenge for me. So my, my solution to that is obviously to scale it back and I'm doing sort of less, um, less in terms of shooting. So that's, that was, that's fine. Um, the flip side of that was the, what's the sort of greatest like enjoyment I get out of it, I guess, you know, outside of the actual, the, um, the, uh, shoot itself, which is obviously amazing. Um, I like having, I like that I'm, I have a body of work and by that, I mean, so this is, I guess it goes, gets into like the, the creation of something. You're creating something that wasn't there. Okay. And now it's there. Um, you kind of have, you know, you have a, you have actual, um, physical, um, video that you can, you can look at it at some point. Not that I've been watching my own stuff, but I like that I have, I have this body work when then once I'm, I'm done and I have to move on to something else, then it's kind of cool. Like, these are really, really cool memories. So I, I like having that, 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 that there and and um it's interesting that some of my i some of my stuff isn't even available online anymore and that's again this goes back to you know the requirements of people you work with um if they 
you know, leave the industry and they don't want their content live anymore. That's the other thing, you know, for, for producers out there, just like respect that too. It was difficult for me once um, when somebody I worked with early on in Toronto and she was very well known. Like we shot a lot, a lot of stuff. And in my, you know, in my opinion, it's, you know, performance wise, it's our, my, our best work. You know, we, we pulled it all down. So, and that's, and again, it is what it is. It has, that's what has to happen. So, um, but I like the, the bit, the thing that I like a lot outside of the actual shoots is having the, the body work. It's kind of cool. So to have that. I, I think my favorite thing in what you said there was the, the focus on consent that you have in the relationships with the people that you work with. And I think I understand now why they, they speak highly of you because I completely agree with your ethical stance on, um, on this co-ownership of the work and then what can happen afterwards. I mean, I have release forms that I use audio video release forms that I use for my podcast as well. So I produce a different kind of media than you, but the release form, notwithstanding, if somebody is unhappy with something that they've said on this podcast, whether it's in the moment or afterwards or after it's been published, I mm-hmm. don't point to the release form and say, I own your voice now. You know, I say, mm-hmm. absolutely. I'll take it down. I'll remove it. I'll edit it. And I've done that. And I've taken mm-hmm. down whole episodes. And yeah. that's because it's also important to me that the content that I put out there is consented to and by everybody involved. And I wouldn't want to profit off of somebody else's misery in that sense. So if somebody says to me down the line, you know, I, I need you to take that episode down because it's going to interfere with my work and my whatever. Yeah. No problem. So I, yeah, I, yeah. I completely understand where you're coming from. And I think that's a, that's a big point to put out there because I've seen so many stories from not only sex workers, but people who've been involved in some form of media and they've asked a company to, or a person to take it down and they refused and pointed to the release form and said, well, sorry, that's but right. I have copy. Yeah. 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 And, and actually I was um, just dealing with, with, with uh, a scenario where, yeah, somebody um, took all their content down several months ago and then the stuff is still up there. Like some people have had the stuff up and I guess they point to their, well, we, we signed this thing and it needs to remain there. So, but I, you know, like just, just forget that stuff. Just take it down. Yeah. You know, just out of respect to the, to the, uh, to the women you work with. So. Well, then the last thing I want to ask you is for a sexy, wild or outrageous story. The, uh, sexy, uh, story. Um, so yeah, yeah, you, you DM'd me the other day about it and I was like, well, what do I even like, like what's my sexy story? And I like, well, why don't I go, the opposite way and just kind of <laughs> think of like a really boring one. <laughs> um, <laughs> Great. But yeah, yeah, no, it's really, really boring, sexy story. No, it's, uh, we were, we were talking earlier about like your, my sort of first um, like f- sort of formal foray into like foot fetishism. And, and uh, I, it was maybe just before that um, I was on train and and like okay like this is almost like for foot fetish guys it's almost like cliche too right um those and the the train was there wasn't many people on it and uh but it was a few stops 
between mine and this lovely woman who was sitting across from me. Um, uh, and initially she had her, her legs crossed and it was summertime. So she had like flip flops on and it just started to get pro progressively more and more like I'm getting teased. And like, I, you know, you kind of like outside yourself, like, is this actually, <laughs> is this actually happening? So she's, <laughs> I think it was, I think she caught, you know, I think it was this second, I must've been like off my game. Cause I would, once in a while, like, like I'll glance and I'm very, very, very quick with my looks, <laughs> like look really quickly. And, um, and then, and then look away, but she must've caught my eye. So she's like, hey, what's this guy looking at? So she started to tease me and she was like, you know, progressively like getting closer and closer to me with her feet. Um, you know, and, and like flexing your toes and, and, you know, and rubbing your feet together and stuff like that. And then, uh, and then it like, took a, a slightly more interesting turn. She put her feet up on, onto the chair. I was like directly like literally across from me, which normally like, Hey, you're putting your feet up next to me. Like most people, uh, excuse me, uh, <laughs> <laughs> pardon me. Could you please remove your feet from the chair? Yeah. Um, but no, in this case, like, Oh, okay. Uh, and so she put her feet up and she crossed her feet and she started like scrunching and flexing her toes. And I'm like, I'm like in, in my head, I'm like, this, I'm losing my mind here. Um, and then we started to kind of chat a little bit and, but it was, it wasn't even about the, her, what she was doing. Cause it was, you know, the, we didn't even talk about what she was doing with her feet. And it was obvious to both of us. She was trying to turn me on with them we talked about other stuff and I couldn't even, I, it was probably nothing. It's probably like the weather or something. Um, anyway, so we talked a little bit and between stops and then, um, and then she was so sweet too. And then she'd say, well, you know, this is my stop. I'll see you later. I'm thinking I'm going to see this woman on the train again at some point. Um, but I never saw her again. So, so the, now this is like the big callback maybe, but like, was that the, the other rosebud, rosebud. Am I like this ghost, kind of continually like searching for <laughs> for this woman? Um, and I'm like, is this you? Is it you? Is it you? Is it you? So maybe that's maybe that's why I'm doing this. I'm trying to find her. No, that's but was this all before? Was this all before? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was all before. So wow. So there you go. It was, um, but like, it's kind of like one of those memories, like super, like memory burn. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So when you ask me about a sexy story, like I can see that, I can see that clearer than I, you know, can see like in a way some of the videos that I've done. Wow. And it was just, it was just really, really cool. That's, and what then, always, uh, that's what we always remember is the missed opportunities, not the. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, actually missed opportunities. I remember in the, uh, one of the local papers, there was like a missed opportunity section. So I should have, I should have put an ad in there, like searching for, woman with really pretty feet <laughs> you were teasing me on the on the train on blah 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 uh, on this date um between blah blah blah, blah. um yeah if you could give me a, a, a send me an email give me a call i think there was um, an yeah. app for that actually for like the the missed encounters or something like that yeah something like that so I missed opportunity there of not posting my missed opportunity <laughs> meta missed opportunity <laughs> yeah exactly it's layered all right. Well, then this is your opportunity to shout out all the places where you want to be found. Uh, you know what? Actually, I think I've kept it pretty simple. I'm on, uh, um, I, I kind of use Twitter as the home base. Yeah. Um, have like the clips for sale link there to my Foot Guy James site. 
and then I have an Instagram. Um, again, like I'm not, I don't consider myself a photographer, but whenever I shoot videos, I'll usually snap a few pictures. Um, and you know, I'll put those up on Instagram. All right. But yeah, the Instagram is the other place you can find me. So. Foot guy, James, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Intellectual uh, erection is uh, kind of like a, what's a oxymoron exposition <laughs> or something. They're rarely intellectual. I, before and after, like I can barely <laughs> I string can two barely words think. together. I can barely. <laughs> yeah, that's basically right. it. So. You're listening to Intellectual Erection, a place where we talk about the naughty to stimulate your thinking.